Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humor along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. I'm so blessed that in my first pregnancy one of my friends took me under her wing and said uh, you know I think you should go and speak to this midwife. Yeah I'm so so glad that I ended up going down that path and um, and educating myself on you know how to um, I guess have the birth uh, that I desire, how to have the possibility of having that unfold. Hi guys, welcome back. Welcome to episode 56. Uh, Today I am chatting about my most recent birth, the birth of our first little girl Pia and I'm really excited to share a really beautiful unplanned home birth uh, with you and um, just what a beautiful experience it was. We've been following along um, in the podcast and on our Instagram TV. You will have seen that um, we have, uh, I've done some episodes around um, preparing to feel confident and empowered in your birth Um, and so those are really really worth a listen yeah so back in um, season one episode uh, 38 I gave my tips for a confident and empowered birth and you can check out uh, the rest of uh, that series on our Instagram TV over at Lenny Rose Active as well. It's in a series uh, around prepping to you know feel really empowered around your birth. So definitely uh, really worth a listen. And I guess this is kind of a culmination of everything that I practice and preach and um, really hope to impart with other women um, is that, you know, preparing for birth is something that we often uh, put on the back burner we might not see it as important. And if you've listened along, you will have heard me say numerous times uh, or, or mention this conversation that I had with a beautiful birth educator, Lael Stone, and she said that women will often spend, you know, 18 months to two years planning a wedding, but they won't give anywhere near that same kind of uh, reverence and importance to prepping for birth. And quite often um, the impact of, you know, of birth is much more far-reaching and, you know, it lasts with a woman forever, um, as does our wedding day. But I think um, you know, nothing can really hit you in the same way that a birth can in terms of the emotional um follow on from it so it does have the capacity to be the most empowering and amazing day of your life um, regardless of how the birth goes down and um, if you have listened along again you will have heard me speak about the evidence um, for uh, it not being about how your birth uh, is executed in terms of if you end up having a c-section or a natural delivery um or being induced or whatever sort of tends to happen that's not the sort of key feature or factor in how you feel about your birth it's whether or not you felt empowered and listened to and respected and so hopefully by giving you these tools and 
um, you know, really empowering you to ask questions and to get the right team around you that you really do have the opportunity to go through birth in a really magical way and um, have it be a really pleasant and potentially life-changing in a good way <laughs> experience for you. So, um, yeah, without further ado, <laughs> longest introduction ever. Um I will, uh, yeah, start away with Pia's birth. So um, I've had three really great births prior to having Pia, um, all through using uh, calm birthing and hypnobirthing, um, and I've done a hypnobirthing course with each pregnancy, except this last time around. I guess I felt like I didn't need to sort of um, do the course again, but I started um prepping for the birth. Um, the moment I knew I was pregnant, I guess, you know, I stay active, I continue to do yoga, I work on my mindset, um, I work on putting the fears aside um, because if you've had, if you have given birth or if you haven't, you know, either way, um, there is often some deep-seated fears around um, how it might go down, what might happen to you, to your baby, um, pain, um, et cetera. And, um, yeah, so I start with the hypnobirthing pretty early on. I think around 16 weeks is time I started listening to my meditations and, uh, you know, um, really practising that deep relaxation and the, you know, working on that mentality that birth is a natural physiological process and that it can be comfortable and, you know, just really sort of putting that into my psyche. So I definitely started prepping for birth super early on, despite not being a newbie <laughs> in the birth scene, um, but knowing that, um, yeah, that you know, there is an intensity around birth and, you know, you'll have memories about how the birth felt if you've had, you have given birth before, Um and, you know, you also have impact from your know, peers and, and sort of media and what you see on TV with women giving birth. Um, and it certainly doesn't have to be that way. So, yeah, I, I definitely prep early on in pregnancy, both physically and mentally. And I had engaged a midwife, Jan Ireland, who you will have heard if you're listening along to the podcast, we interview, who interviewed her quite a number of times. And she... Um, is a sort of emotional support for me in, in pregnancy and and during delivery as well. And I also have an obstetrician. Um, I sort of felt like fourth time around, being a little bit older, almost at the ripe old age of 37, um, I really wanted to have both that sort of medical side covered and um, and also just to have that sort of personal, and you know, care that a midwife gives you. And if you aren't sure about the different roles that they play, um, if you go back and listen to one of the very earliest episodes, episode three, I believe, um, Jan actually talks about the different roles of support people in birth, a doula versus a midwife versus an obstetrician. So I highly recommend going back and listening to that as well if you're unsure about, you know, what type of caregiver to engage um but hopefully my story today will empower you um to to definitely go down the route of having a door or a midwife in your circle as well um so yeah we have both obstetric care and midwifery care which is you know a real privilege um and potentially isn't accessible to everybody but uh, a doula may be um and when you're in the private setting um or when you go from the home into the hospital a midwife um who's engaged privately outside the jurisdiction of that hospital becomes more of a doula in terms of what her uh, medical legal role is when she enters the hospital with you anyway. So um, it's certainly something that you can um, 
can think about and can be a lot more affordable than having both private midwifery and obstetric care um, and could be a good person to sort of have um, if you're in the public system and you're working with obstetricians and the midwife program but you want someone who's maybe a bit more continuous in terms of um, seeing them regularly throughout the pregnancy and then being there for your birth, um, a doula can be a really um, great affordable way to get around that. Um, so, yes, I digress. Um, but so basically um, most of my pregnancies or births have been between 36 and 38 weeks in terms of delivery time. But this little uh, chicken kept us waiting a little bit longer and um, I went into labour um, on the just a couple of days after 39 weeks. Uh, I had a couple of false starts. So in third and fourth pregnancies, it can be really common to have what's called an irritable uterus. So you have sensation like you might be um, cramping and uh, and having a sense that you might be in labour. Um, it's more intense than Braxton Hicks and perhaps, you know, a bit um, a bit more regular, but then sort of is quite stop-start. And so that had happened to me a couple of times the previous week um, at the sort of 38-week mark and I thought that I was in labour and I shipped the kids off to grandma's and no, it all fizzled out after a couple of hours. So I'm like, I've done this before. I've never had this, uh, you know, confusion about whether or not I'm in labour. It's all woe or go. Um, so it was a little bit of a surprise <laughs> to me uh, to be not sure <laughs> about whether or not I was in labour. But anyway, uh, when it came to 39 weeks, uh, just over um we, I was like, yeah, I definitely, definitely feel like it's happening. I'd had this sort of loss of mucus plug and, and a little bit of light bleeding, which had happened in the third, um, just before I had given birth to my third little Leo. Um, so I had sort of just, you know, waited till things were happening quite regularly. So I was having sort of um, surges, as I prefer to call them, you know, between sort of two and ten minutes apart uh, regularly for a couple of hours. And then I let our midwife, Jan, know, and she came over to the house about 11 p.m. And I wasn't 100% certain if it was going to happen because of the previous experiences over the last week, thinking I was in labour and that I wasn't. Um, but, you know, um, she seemed to think that, uh, you know, something was happening as well. So uh, we just bunkered down and I have typically had quite fast births. First and second are about four hours and three hours. And then third was a little bit longer. It was about eight hours, but um, you know, only maybe one to two, two hours at that sort of real intense end of birth um, and still a great experience. Um, so, yeah, this one was a little bit more tricky. It was a very stop-start. It was a little bit fiddly um, by about midnight I had sent um, my husband and the two midwives to bed thinking oh maybe it's not happening <laughs> and uh, then by about two o'clock I was like no I'm gonna I'd be dancing and um, and sort of really uh, working on my sort of hypnobirthing the breathing um, which is a sort of uh, pace sort of exhale being longer than the inhale and usually I sort of do you know two or three counts in and four to five counts out um, and that really helps to calm your nervous system. So I'd been dancing along and then listening to Adele and even sort of singing through the contractions or the surges while everyone else in the house was sleeping and um, and thinking, oh, I think it could be it could be happening, but I'm not sure. So I'd woken up um, 
woken up Jan and uh, then, yeah, we'd sort of, you know, definitely felt like things were happening but it wasn't happening in a sort of quick way. And all along my pregnancy um, I sort of thought, you know, because of my experiences with one and two, I thought that the this birth could be sort of really quick um, when it sort of got going. Um, so the biggest thing was I, you know, if I felt comfortable, I really wanted to stay at home and not be in the car pushing because that was quite unpleasant um, first and second time around because um, what happens, you know, towards, you know, when you're getting into that stage two of labour, that active um, delivery stage of labour, your body has this powerful natural ejection reflex in which, um, you know, by hook or by crook, you may not be able to stop it. <laughs> and so the uterus is contracting quite firmly and, um, and you have, you know, you really can't do anything to stop that happening. And so that had happened to me in the car on the way to the hospital, first and second birth. And I really found it quite difficult to stay in that mental state of calm and, um, of, you know, this, this is comfortable and to keep the dialogue, um, that I know that really works for me in birth going. So I didn't want to be in that situation, um, and so we'd either have had to have left to go to the hospital um, earlier <laughs> by the time it had wrapped up or I'd needed to stay, you know, decide to stay at home, which I ended up doing. We had a um, the bath filled up and uh, ended up just labouring in the bath. But what I really wanted to, um, I guess, highlight about this birth that was different uh, to the others was because I was able to sort of be really relaxed and quite joyful in my labour and not afraid, um, I can honestly say that I didn't find the labouring, the surges or the contractions, whatever you like to call them, I did not find them painful. And that is a stark difference between all of my other births. I was able to work through it with my breath and um, we also do this technique where my husband squeezes my shoulder. It's called anchoring and hypnobirthing. So it's something that is a signal to remind you to relax. And so... Um, Poor Paul's hand almost fell off in third labour <laughs> doing that. Um, but this time around, I didn't feel like I needed that and I just was really having this dialogue going with, my, with, with Pia, with the baby going, you know, this is comfortable, this is easy. I welcome each sensation and because I think I'd been dancing and I was just like constantly in this dialogue with myself and I wasn't being interrupted in that mental state of having to sort of transfer to hospital halfway through, I can honestly say I did not find the um, the labouring, first stage labour, painful at all, which is, you know, it, it seems quite miraculous, but I honestly can say that all of the prep work, all of the mental work, uh, the beautiful breath techniques that are available through hypnobirthing, through yoga, um, you know, it can really make birth a comfortable experience. And I, you know, I, S-H-I-T, you not. <laughs> I'm not that sure if I'm going to swear on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, and obviously being in the water, labouring in the water, um, the warmth is really beautiful Um pain reliever as well uh, so I found that really helped too and um, it wasn't really until the sort of st stage two or the sort of pushing phase um, where 
uh, it got a little bit more intense, but I still would say it was quite manageable. So um, I guess I wanted to share that, uh, you know, having a comfortable birth is possible and a calm and beautiful birth and um, it is really possible and I'm living proof of that and I know there's lots of other women out there that practice these techniques that are living proof of that as well. Um, and so little Pia was born in the bath <laughs> um, with my husband and two midwives um, there and, as I said, it wasn't necessarily a planned home birth but it just felt like the right thing to do at the time. Um, I just wanted to keep my options open and to go with what I felt was the right thing at the time and that was what it was and yeah it came out with probably two pushes I think um maybe one or two for the head and then <laughs> the rest uh yeah just followed and when uh we brought her up out of the water um my husband and I were like oh my gosh it's a mini Raffi who's our second son and we just assumed that she was a boy <laughs> without actually looking and then lo and behold uh once we sort of transferred over to the couch my midwife was like I think you should check again <laughs> and she, he was actually a she <laughs> which was really shocking because I was sure she was going to be a boy the whole time and uh, I guess I wasn't really mentally prepared for a girl but I'm so so glad to have a girl and um, it's just the most beautiful blessing you know I think just having a healthy baby is all that we can really ask for and um, yeah we're just so over the moon. I think the other thing to say about um, being at home and with people that I trust, uh, I just felt really loved and really supported throughout the birth process and um, everyone knew my wishes. Uh, my husband probably would have preferred to go to hospital, to be honest. Uh, I could see and feel that, but he was happy to support my decision to stay home and um, cowboyed up in the moment <laughs> to let me to let me do that or to not fight uh, that wish. and. Um, and then afterwards, uh, the placenta or third stage just was really quick. Within a couple of minutes, um, the placenta sort of delivered itself. Um, and when you go to hospital, quite often they give you an injection. And in the past, I've had quite a severe reaction to that. I've really, um, uh, it's kind of made me almost like hyperventilate and feel really shaky and just it's not something that um, felt good at all. So I was really glad that um, that wasn't necessarily available or offered and um, third stage happened sort of just naturally and easily in that sort of relaxed and quiet, comfortable environment of home. So we called the ambulance and then we transferred the ambulance to uh, the hospital and uh, we had to get little peas. Uh, or peer <laughs> as blood sugars checks uh, blood sugars checked um, as I had gestational diabetes throughout pregnancy but it was really well managed um, and I was able through diet alone and exercise to keep my sugar levels under control so it was a little bit of a surprise that she had uh, low blood sugars when she was born but being in hospital for a couple of days monitoring those and then they were um, giving her some sugars and I'd expressed some colostrum um, so that uh, we had plenty of fuel ready to go while I was waiting for milk to come in. Um, and if you're interested in antenatal expressing, uh, just recently we did an episode on that and there's some video footage to go with the episode 48 with uh, midwife and uh, lactation consultant Amberly Harris. 
So that's a great one too. Um, we've also got episodes up on gestational diabetes as a medical uh, standpoint uh, as well as um, so that's episode 46 or season two, episode five. And then we've got more the diet and lifestyle factors, episode 51, um, and different factors that can confound or, I guess, affect uh, results for the OGTT. Um, so lots and lots of great resources we're clocking up through the podcast and, um yeah, I, you know, I guess I've had both hospital and both home birth now and um, all have been um, really great because I labour at home and then, you know, the first three we had the decision to go to hospital to have the baby like right at the end but left it a little bit too, <laughs> too late. <laughs> I thought it was a bit, uh, a bit close. I think we're in hospital 20 minutes with son at number one and six minutes with son at number two. Um, and we were there longer with Leo, um, baby number three, just because he was preemie and I'd had a little bit of a bleed or a placental abruption, so we had gone straight to hospital. So I'm not here to sort of push either or. I think um, I've had beautiful births in hospital and I've had a beautiful birth at home and uh, I think, um, you know, they'd unfortunately had a, not a positive birth experience through the private system and, uh, you know, had really found solace in seeking some counselling and some support through um, through Jan after the birth and yeah I'm so so glad that I ended up going down that path and um, and educating myself on you know how to um, I guess have the birth uh, that I desire how to have the possibility of have that, having that unfold and um, yeah so I feel like I need to pay it forward <laughs> and hopefully just give some insight and some advice to those of you who are on the path for the first time or perhaps have had not a positive birth experience or experiences in the past and yeah you can also listen to Australian Birth Stories that's an amazing podcast by the beautiful Sophie Walker we have had her as on as a guest as well and you can actually hear my first and second birth stories up on Australian Birth Stories too by uh, just searching Rosie Dumbrell. The website is australianbirthstories.com. Uh, but that's a really amazing resource for just listening to varied different birth experiences and, um, you know, knowledge is power. And, you know, as women, I think we need to share our stories and support each other as much as possible through this, I guess, what can be really uncharted waters, um, whether it is number one or number four. <laughs> So I hope you found that really, really useful. I am going to um, up next record an episode on uh, just postpartum recovery. Uh, I also need to do one on um, C-section postpartum recovery specifically too. Um, so top tips for recovering there and um, lots more in the upcoming weeks. I'm a little bit... Uh, sleepless in Seattle at the moment <laughs> so hopefully I can stick to my one a week schedule as I thought Pia would come at about 36 to 37 weeks and they had a bit of a bank of my recordings up but um, alas she kept us waiting I feel like she is going to be the queen of our household very soon <laughs> ruling the roost and good on her but uh, yeah stay tuned and as always if you're loving what you're listening to screenshot the episode that you're listening to and uh, tag us at when you're active uh, or you can use the hashtag mama matters and make sure you share with your mama mates we're all about just uh, sharing good quality up-to-date evidence-based information for 
uh, all the mamas out there, mamas to be. And one more recommendation I have that's just popped into my head before I finish up is uh, there is a really beautiful documentary called Birth Time that is uh, going around the sort of smaller cinemas and uh, three midwives have created this amazing documentary by flying around the world and collecting different birth stories and uh, it does really support uh, the midwife-led care with obstetric backup, um, a sort of model that I have been lucky enough to go through with all of my pregnancies. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that out. I, I believe on Instagram it's just at birth time and I'd highly recommend if you're going to watch that, doing it sort of, you know, by second trimester, not leaving it right to the end because there are some quite full-on stories in there that could be a bit triggering for you. Um but the overall premise is a really, really positive and beautiful outlook on how we can heal from birth as a community, as a culture and as a globe and come together to really support women through the most amazing adventure of their lives. So thanks, ladies. I do look forward to jumping on again soon and uh, we'll chat to you then. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.